Well, it's good to be back uh, with you once again. Um, I have considered carefully um, what to share with you this evening. And as you look around the world in which we live, I think it's very clear that if you know anything to do with the Bible and Bible prophecy, we are living very much in the end times. This is a subject that has been of interest to me since my dad bought me a book when I was 18. And I'll not tell you how many years ago that was, but it was several decades. And I always remember reading it. I did it in one sitting. I started at 10 o'clock in the evening and I finished it at 7 o'clock the following morning. And since then, it's been a subject of great interest to me. At present, on a Tuesday evening, I'm doing a series on Zoom through the book of the Revelation. If you know anyone who might be interested in logging in, I've got some leaflets there with details. We're going through the book, bit by bit, and taking from it what the Bible says. And that's the important thing. It's what the, the Bible says that matters. Because very often we hear what men think. But we've got to look at the Bible, and if we believe the Bible is the Word of God, as I do, then we have to listen to His, His Word. And so as I've been thinking of, of this um, for this evening, I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about, firstly, something that will affect believers and then I want to finish by talking about something else that's extremely serious that refers to those who do not believe. There is the misconception that this world will just end in one day, everything will be over and done with and then we'll move into eternity. Bible doesn't say that. There's a particular sequence of events that will unfold as the end draws near. And I wanted to speak about judgments tonight. There's four separate judgments mentioned in the Bible. Not one, four. I'm not going to spend much time in two of them. But I want to spend a fair amount of time on the other two. And the Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5 from verse 9, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now these words were written to believers. And then over to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20 from verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth 
seven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their deeds by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead that were in them, and they were judged each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. These words are addressed to those who have died through time without knowing Christ as their Saviour. But we'll come to that later. The next event in the scroll of time according to the word of God it is an event that is spoken of by the Apostle Paul in several different places in the New Testament and that is the coming of the Lord Jesus to receive his own to himself. The church, the bride of Christ, looks forward to a day where we are told that the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. The Lord said in John 14 that he would go and prepare a place for us. And if he went and prepared a place for us, he would come again and receive us unto himself so that where he was, we may be also. And as Christians, and I address, first of all, Christians, we look forward to one thing only, and that is the moment that the Lord comes to the clouds and calls his church, his bride, into his immediate presence. That's our blessed hope. That is referred to as the parousia, the rapture of the church. Now once we are in heaven, as Christians, we face something that is really quite important. And that is the judgment seat of Christ. Every single believer on that day will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and will give an account of how they have lived and how they have served. Now, let me emphasize, this takes place in heaven 
and it is for believers only. There are sadly far, far too many Christians around today who seem to think that once they have got their ticket to heaven, they can live their life as they please. That everything will be all right, I know where I'm going, my eternity is secure, now, well, let's just live as we like. That's not taught in Scripture. The Bible says, For by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are God's workmanship, listen to this, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We are saved not then to lie in our spiritual sun loungers, but we are saved to serve. Every single believer has been given a gift by God that they can use for God's glory. Every single one. No one exempt. There's no retirement in the service of the Lord. Now, there are varied gifts. There are the ones that come immediately to your attention, like that of a pastor or an evangelist or a deacon or an elder. All of these are important. But there's also other gifts, gifts that are more practical. There are people who are very good at, at caring for the needy, supporting fellow believers who are in a difficult situation. And there is not one single believer that is more important than another. Every single person before God, as a Christian, we're all equal. I remember when I became a Christian way back in 1980, it was at a Louise Palau crusade in Motherwell, and I was a member one of the youth nights, there was Dave Pope, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, that name will ring a bell, gospel singer. And the, one of the youth nights, we were singing a song, we're all one. It was great. And indeed we are. But we're all called to serve. Satan will do everything possible to blunt our service. He will cause us to be discouraged. He will cause us to give up. He will tell us we're fools. He will say, what are you wasting your time for? Why don't you just jog along till you get to heaven? If he can't stop us from getting saved, he'll do his best to stop us from serving. And far, far too many people fall from that. We're told in 1 Corinthians 3 that every person's work will be made manifest. Nothing hidden. Not a single thought, word, deed missed. God will see it all. 
The thing about the judgment seat of Christ is that what is judged there is not our sin. Because if we are Christians, in the true sense of the word, if we are born again, the moment we trust Christ as our Saviour, our sins, past, present, future, are dealt with. We are forgiven. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. So that when God the Father looks at us, he doesn't see the fact that we made a mess of it this past week. He sees the righteousness of his Son. And we are accepted because of Christ. So it's not our sins that will be judged. It's our works and our service. And we are saved now as Christians we having been given a gift we can choose to use it for God's glory or we can choose to misuse it there are sadly too many individuals whose responsibility is to preach and teach the word of God who are not doing it. They are accepting lifestyles, etc., that fly in the face of God and his commandments. <clears throat> Why they're doing it? Well, who knows? Probably for the praise and ex acceptance of fellow men. But the one thing we need to remember, everything that we do, we will be called to account in a coming day. And so as we would seek to, to live our lives, as we would seek to serve the Lord Jesus, we must make sure that we don't do it for our own glory. We don't do it to get the praise of men but that we serve because we love Jesus. If there's any other way of looking at things other than the fact we serve for the glory of God, we've got it wrong. We're called. And we're also told that when we have faced this judgment seat of Christ, that we will all be there individually, there will be rewards for those who have been faithful. The Bible speaks of several different crowns that will be given to those who have served with a faithful heart. There's a crown of righteousness. Well, you might be thinking, what's that all about? Well, it's about living a righteous life in a very corrupt and sinful world. We are declared righteous by our faith in Christ, but then we are expected to live a righteous life. Making the right choices, for example, 
Now let me give you an illustration from my own experience of life, and I don't do this to get any brownie points. I remember several years ago now, we were on holiday with our two kids when they were younger, and we used to always go to this pizza restaurant. We knew the folks well, and we would go there maybe two or three times when we were on holiday. And there was one evening we got back to the car, and I said to my wife, I don't think we've been charged by for everything that we had. Now, we were out the restaurant. The owner had no idea that this had happened, and we faced a choice. We either went in and pointed out the shortfall, or we drove away thinking, well, we've had something for nothing. The righteous choice would be to go back in, which we did. And the chap said to us, well, nobody's ever done this before, so just accept what you will charge for on us. Very simple illustration of a right choice. Doing what God would expect us to do as his children. But then there's the crown of victory. Crown of victory is given to those who deny themselves of the, the easy things in life in order to serve God. And sometimes God comes into the lives of individuals and he takes away a lot of this, this kind of comfort things that they rely on and they go out on a limb to serve him. We think of those in past generations who have gone into distant countries to serve God. We were brought up very near to the David Livingston Memorial in Blantyre. And we used to go every school holiday. And there was a man who gave up all the, the, the easy things in life to crisscross Africa with the gospel. Then there's a crown of life for those who suffer for the sake of Christ. Now, in our land, we know nothing of that. I had the privilege in the past of going to Ukraine and Romania and speaking with believers there who suffered the most incredible things. Just brutality. Those who suffer persecution, even martyrdom, for the service of Christ, they will receive the crown of life. Crown of rejoicing. For those who preach the gospel, not just in churches, but on the street, one-to-one. -one. Those who serve in that capacity, faithfully for the glory of the Lord, will receive the crown of life. Crown of glory for those who teach the word of God. Children, online, on the radio, one-to-one. So if we serve faithfully, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, 
there will be a reward. The one thing that we need to remember is the Christian life is not a sprint. It's a long distance race. Not that you would know it now, but I used to run half marathons and marathons on a regular basis. Uh, my body is telling me now that it was a stupid thing to do. But when you started a, a race that was over 26 miles long, you didn't go flying off at breakneck speed. You paced yourself so that you finished the race. Now there's another important thing concerning our service. That in the future millennial reign of Christ, where he will reign literally on planet Earth from Jerusalem, a reign of righteousness, during that reign, believers who have been faithful will help in his position of reigning. And the amount of responsibility that we are given then will be in a direct, well, it will be according to our faithfulness in the here and now. The parable of the talents, one man given five and earned five more, another given two and earned two more, one who was given one talent did nothing with it, it was taken from him. If we are faithful in the here and now, we will be given greater responsibility to reign and rule with Christ during the millennium. I trust you believe in a literal millennium because there are certain people now who would tell us, well, it's not going to happen. Oh, yes, it will. Yeah, it's taught in the Bible. 1,000 years where the Lord will rule there's a verse that is often quoted in the gospel which is equally important for believers and that is we shall reap what we sow whatever we sow in the here and now we'll reap <coughs> you know if someone plants Daffodil bulb, they would be very foolish to think, well, a tulip will grow. We'll reap what we sow. And so, we have to examine our lives on a daily basis. Now remember, I'm still speaking to Christians here. We'll move on in a moment or two. Am I proud, self-centered, untrustworthy, disrespectful, foul-tongued, two-faced, a thief, a liar, if we are such, we would be very foolish to believe that we will be rewarded in a coming day. Scripture says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, 
always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labour for him is not in vain. There are many people who serve the Lord and their work and their ministry is all but invisible to others. And yet they serve every day as if it's their last. If we're looking for the praise of men, we've got it entirely wrong. So we have to examine our hearts and <coughs> I would suggest that on a daily basis before you shut your eyes at night, if you claim to be a Christian, do a bit of a stock check of how your day has been. When you reach out to serve the Lord, ask yourself, what's my motive for doing so? Am I trying to build my name, my ministry, or am I pointing others to Jesus? You don't need a degree in theology to work out which is the right option. We never know when our journey on earth will be over. We never know. And so we have to live every single moment of every single day imagining that it might be our last and making it count for Jesus. The judgment seat of Christ important that we understand what it's all about. There's two other judgments where I'm not going to look at this evening. There's the judgment of the living nations and the judgment of Israel. Both important in their place, but I want to go on to one that is, I believe, more important than any of them. And that is the judgment of the great white throne. This Judgment will be God's final act before all things become new. So we will have had the rapture, we will have had the seven year tribulation, we will have had the millennium. There's a final rebellion that is destroyed by the Lord and then there is the judgment of the unsaved dead of all the ages. Scripture says it's appointed for men to die once, but after death, judgment. 
You see, the Buddhists will tell you that when you die, you'll be reincarnated into something or someone else. The atheist says, well, you just cease to exist. The agnostic's not quite sure. The humanist, very interesting. I, I have had the misfortune to attend too many humanist funerals than I would like. And apparently they don't believe in anything, but there's always that wee bit at the end. I mean, one of the most ridiculous things I heard was that the person who had recently departed would be at the Rainbow Bridge waiting for their dogs. Really? Enid Blyton? Huh? There's no debating, there's no misunderstanding. The Bible says after death, judgment. We're told in Scripture that the sea will give up its death. The earth will give up its death. And people say, how can that happen? There'll be most folks who have died all these years ago, there'll be barely a molecule left. Well, God made them from dust in the first place. He can do that all over again without a problem. They will be raised, they will be given bodies that will last forever, but they will be subject to pain and suffering for all eternity. I would love to tell you that that wasn't so, but I can't. Because just as the Bible speaks of a heaven, it also speaks of a hell. And there is no way round that. People can choose not to believe it. That doesn't mean it won't happen. <coughs> People might say, well, I'll never be there. I'm a good person. Well, they can think that if they like. But unless they know Christ, they'll be there. The Bible tells us there is no creature hidden from his sight. Jesus said there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be made known. I tell you something, I would not want to be an unsaved person knowing that one day I would stand face to face with a holy God. God has been keeping a record. Every thought, every motive, every sin will be brought into the light of his judgment. Now imagine this. Each unsaved sinner will stand before the most holy being, the most perfect being, the most righteous being, and I would think by the time they get there, it might have clicked that they got it wrong. You see, the day and the age that we live in now is called the dispensation of grace. What's grace? It's God's undeserved favour towards the sinner who repents. 
But there will come a time when this age of grace, the curtains will shut and it will be over. And by then, it is too late. Scripture says a righteous and a just God that every transgression and every disobedience will receive a just reward. God will not get it wrong. No one will be able to say to him, you've made a mistake because he is all-knowing, he is all-powerful, he is everywhere at the same time. Nothing passes him by. Cast your minds back to the Old Testament and the cities where God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. They were given the opportunity to repent, but they did not, and God destroyed them. How like our day and generation? Who needs God? Oh, your old fashioned. The world's moved on. We are more intelligent now. We don't need to know that, really. Of course they need to know. Because judgment will fall one day. The God that we deal with is not some sentimental grandfather. My late father was very strict. We were hardly allowed to breathe. But as a grandparent, well, oh, it's okay. Just, just leave them. God is not like that. Sin is sin in the eyes of God. <coughs> And if it has never been confessed, it's never been forgiven. And those who stand before that great white throne, their sin will seem an ugly mess as they stand before a holy God. I remember some time ago, doing a Bible study for teenagers and one young lad said to me, he says, why is the great white throne white? Well, to a certain degree, some colours and numbers have some meaning within Scripture and white always speaks of the righteousness and the holiness of God. What a contrast that will be. You see, wages earned must be paid out. God isn't going to change his mind and say, oh, you know, maybe I'm too hard on them. I'll just let them in anyway. No, not in the slightest. And the sad reality is that tomorrow morning, in churches all over our land, there will be people who will sit there and they'll sing hymns They'll listen to prayers, they'll listen to sermons, they'll go home and they'll remain lost in their sin because they refuse 
to accept God's evaluation of them and their resolve sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, what happens when folks stand before the great white throne? Well, we're told that the books will be opened. The book of life will be opened. Anyone who rejects the source of life, Jesus Christ, will face what is called the second death. Eternal separation from God and all that is good. Now there are some scholars who would say that when each human being is born, their name is entered into the book of life and their name remains there for as long as they live and upon death if that person has never repented of their sin their name is removed their name is blotted out of that book But then, I believe that another of the books that will be opened is the book of the law. I don't know how many times I've been told by people that they can keep the Ten Commandments. I try to do this, I try to do that. I don't do this, I don't do that. That's irrelevant. If you don't trust Christ as your Saviour, that's all that matters. And to those who would say, I keep some of the commandments, God will say no. Because the Ten Commandments were given to really act as a mirror, to show men and women what they were really like. Revelation 20 verse 13 says that every man was judged according to their works. You see, that's all they have. There's no faith. Because they neglected the gospel. So they're judged according to their works. Where does the individual go from there. Once that judgment is done, where do they go? Well, the second death. That doesn't speak of annihilation. There are people who say that when we die, even religious people, some would say, well, even as sinners, People die and they just cease to exist, though they don't. Because God has warned us that there is a hell to shun. Now immediately I always find when I speak about hell, people say, oh, 
Surely a God of love would never send anyone to a lost eternity. It's a very dangerous gamble to take. And I'm going to say something, and please listen very carefully because I don't wish to be accused of heresy. There is a sense in which the Lord condemns no one to hell. People choose to go there by themselves because they refuse the way of salvation. If I break the law of the land, I don't expect a judge to pat me on the head and say it's okay. If we break the law of God, we have been very foolish to believe that somehow for some strange reason, God might just change his mind because it's me. And I would do a great, it would be a grave error for me not to warn. There is a heaven, yes, but there is equally a hell, a place of eternal punishment. Not a Sunday school picnic. A place of eternal punishment. And each will be punished exactly as their life demanded. The prophet Daniel spoke about this. And he said these words. And, and they, no matter when I read them or hear them read, they send a shiver up my spine. Daniel said, I kept looking until the thrones were set. And the ancient of days took his seat. His vesture was like snow. The hair on his head like pure wool. And his throne was ablaze with flames. And thousands upon thousands were attending him. And myriads were standing before him. And the books were open. On that day, all in shock and horror, sinful men and women will come face to face with the irrefutable evidence and they will hear the verdict and they will cry but Lord we prophesied in your name we, we looked after the poor in your name we did charity and if you want to bring it up to date you can say we went to church we served in the church but for all who stand before that throne the response will be universal God will say depart from me I never knew you In essence, depart from me, you spurned my forgiveness and grace. I don't know many of you, and so I have to ask the question, which of those thrones will you be? Which one will you be? 
चैंडल What makes the difference? Religion? No. I make it very clear to people I am not a religious person. Not by any stretch of the imagination. I make it very clear that I'm a born again Christian, which is something totally different. I helped out for a few months with a youth work that started in Kelty, the Evangelical Church there. I've helped them out through the years and they started from scratch a youth work. Remarkable what's happened. They can have 30 teenagers on a Sunday night, uh, a Friday night. One of the, night, the nights I was there, I gave an epilogue and there was a, a young girl there, she'd be 14, 15. And when I finished, she decided she'd like an argument. So I thought, right, we'll let you have your say. And all we got was my grandparents have told me this, my grandparents have told me that, my grandparents have told me something else, and because they go to church, they're saved. And she was rather upset when I said, well, your grandparents, according to the Bible, are wrong. He went off and off. But I found out just a few weeks ago that she has since come to trust the Lord as a Savior. And she may well end up in a different place than her grandparents. Let me finish with this story. There was a a respected barrister who frequently attended the courts in Glasgow. He represented on many occasions a young chap by the name of Michael. Michael was one of these petty criminals, nothing major. And usually when he was let off from all the things he was charged with, it was down to a technicality more than anything else. And again, another one of these court appearances, the barrister said to him, you know, Michael, he said, I might not have the opportunity to represent you again because I'm due for promotion. And he says, if I'm promoted, then I can't represent you. And you'll face the consequences of your actions. Well, the barrister was promoted, he became a judge. And the first month of his new position was really quite uneventful. But come the second month, he came face to face with Michael. The case was heard. Judgment was prescribed. And Michael went to prison. Listen, God's judgment of the unsaved is one day going to be a reality. And sadly, there will be untold myriads 
who having spurned the gospel and thought it was a load of nonsense and for weak people and for weird people, having spurned the gospel, will find themselves in a lost eternity. And there is no such thing as purgatory. When you're there, Father God, we thank you that you're a God of love. You're a God who loves to show mercy. But you're also a just and righteous God. And you cannot change who you are to suit us. We ask, O oh God, that even later on this evening, and we are on our own in the comfort of our, our own homes that you would help us to think through the two judgments that we've looked at and that you would enable us to apply which one is relevant for us. If we are believers that you would enable us to live a life that brings glory to your name, which is far more important than any reward we may receive. And should we not know Christ as Saviour, help us to listen to the wonderful message that you so loved this world that you gave your only begotten Son. Whosoever Believe in him and not perish, but have everlasting life. Help us not to spurn once more the great message of your love, but to respond to it and to receive the precious Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. We thank you for your interest and concern for us and if we know you help us to be faithful lest we be ashamed at the return of our saviour we ask it in his name amen <laughs>